Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Haunted American History presents Zachary Christian Bain Birthing Day Part 5 Hold the line! Zack shouted as a grotesque hulking creature quickly lumbered toward them, followed by what best can be described as a dozen hellhounds charging behind it. Shelley and Frankie stood to Zack's left, poised to attack. Shelley held hatchets with blades so sharp they were almost transparent. Frankie's eyes were blazing red. His neck electrodes pulsed with energy, and smoke poured from the vents in his back. Abe stood slightly behind Zack and tightly held a magic staff in his hands. Well, it would have been a magic staff if Abe had any magical abilities to speak of. In his hands, it was really just a stick. Xander and the rest of his pack stood poised in their human form a few yards behind Zack and the rest. Cordelia watched the group from a distance. This was the closest they would get to an actual fight, and she knew that none of them were ready yet. Their skills have definitely improved over the last few weeks, and Zack has become quite the swordsman. Cordelia saw flashes of the boy's father in him, in both fighting ability and strategy. Hold! Zack repeated with his left hand stretched out behind him, gesturing for everyone to wait. His other hand held a short sword, blade hovering above the dirt, ready to be brought up in a sweeping slice when the moment arrived. Hold! What are we holding for, Zack? Are you waiting for your sidekick to have a heart attack? Xander asked. His stick is almost shaking out of his hand, the boy laughed. Don't listen to him, Abe, Zack replied. Yeah, he's an asshole, Shelley added. Xander snarled. Well, you see, Xander, you see Big and Ugly over there? He's the general. This was last week's lesson. Look at their movements. They're hive-minded. When he drops, they all drop. Why charge in and risk anything when we can draw them close and end it before it really starts? We have to have a plan of attack, Zack said, with his frustration in Xander growing. We do have a plan. Attack! 
With that, the wolves transformed into their hybrid form, wolves that still walk on their hind legs, and rushed past the rest of the group howling excitedly. One of the wolves took a swipe at Abe as he passed by, knocking the stick out of his hands and laughing over his shoulder at him as he darted into the fray with the rest of his pack. Xander, no, hold! Zack shouted. Cordelia, who was standing far off to the side of her would-be team, shook her head in disappointment. The charging hellhounds broke formation and began to spread out in the field around them. The wolves matched their movement in both intensity and randomness. Shelly, Abe, and Zack stood their ground with Frankie at their heels, but with the pack engaging in a sloppy battle in front of them, they no longer had rear support and were quickly surrounded. Frankie whistled like a steam engine as two hounds dove in the direction of Shelly. Their sharp, jagged teeth were exposed and their red eyes glowed with bad intentions. They reached out with their enormous front paws as they sailed through the air, but Frankie snatched them out of the sky in a flash, grabbing one by the hind leg and the other around its throat. He swung his massive metal arms like windmills with blurring speed, slamming the creatures into the earth with a horrific thud. Their bodies exploded on impact. Zack was in awe of the strength and speed of the robot, and a little jealous. Shelly was his friend, but they were essentially competing for four spots, and she was clearly going to make the cut. And not just because of Frankie. She could kick major ass. Frankie was just an added bonus. Zack was alone in this world. He was doing everything he could to improve his skills and be part of the closest thing he had to a family. Cordelia heading up this team meant that she wouldn't have time for her godson if he didn't make it. He had to. And while Zack was fighting to be part of a family, Shelly was fighting to distance herself from hers. It was already clear that she was the black sheep of the Frankenstein family. She hated the sciences and was really bad at them. Her first few days of classes before Guardian's training were really rough. Plus, the fact that she even put her name into the mix to be a part of this team was something no one in her family would have ever done before her. At this rate, the Wolves were the clear frontrunners. Xander was clearly the standout amongst his pack. His lack of following directions aside, he was an exceptional fighter, and his speed and strength were only surpassed by Frankie. Frankie took a second to get up to speed when Xander was off like a shot. Zack thought if it ever came down to the boy taking the robot out, he may be able to, and the ability to turn it on so suddenly would be the deciding factor. The way the pack dashed through the hellhounds was a sight to behold. They were a blur of brown and black fur, decorating the air with ribbons of blood as they slashed their claws through these beasts as they had their fun. That was kind of their problem. They were having too much fun. Cordelia stressed over and over during her lessons that when it came time for an actual battle, when their world really depended on them, that behavior like that would get them and the people relying on them killed. Did they listen? No. Having these kind of thoughts in the middle of a fight isn't really the best time. You really should be paying attention instead of zoning out. And the blood-curdling scream Zack heard behind him was a reminder of that. He quickly turned to find Abe, impaled in the chest with his own staff, being lifted over the hulking beast's head and thrown 20 yards into a pack of ravenous hellhounds. His screams were drowned out by flesh ripping and bones crunching as the hounds tore apart and feasted on the boy. Zack barely had time to dive out of the way as the giant swung the gore-soaked staff in his direction before stepping towards Shelly and swinging it again. The blow was blocked by Frankie's forearm, and these two mammoths locked horns. They wrestled around for a bit, jostling for position, 
Shelly and Zack took this time to get the hell out of Dodge. They didn't want to be meat in the monster sandwich, no thank you. Frankie got separation, shoving the monster away and digging his right foot into the dirt behind him. Spikes shot out of his metal calf into the ground, anchoring him in place. The monster regained its footing, lowered his horned head, and charged on all fours toward the robot. Frankie raised both of his arms straight out towards the charging behemoth. Smoke and sparks began to shoot out of his elbows. Before the creature could make contact, his left arm shot off like a rocket. The robot's hand grabbed the monster by the top of its head, and its fingers dug deep into its skull as he lifted it off the ground high into the air. His other arm then shot off after the beast, but this one had a chain that connected the forearm to his elbow. The hand flattened out and pierced right through the creature's chest and out of its back where it opened up its hand and grabbed a handful of flesh. Frankie jerked that arm in the opposite direction and spiked the monster onto the ground. Upon contact, he retracted the chain, swinging it in the air again and slamming it to the ground on the other side of himself. He did this over and over until the chain was fully retracted and the monster was laying at his feet. He then pulled the spike foot from the earth and planted it into the skull of the mangled heap of a beast. The hellhounds then vanished in a cloud of thick ash. Cordelia joined the students on the field, waving her hand over her head as she made her way toward them. The field they were standing in began to fade away, and the grand hall in the school where the training took place came back into view. Abe also shot up off the ground, fully intact, and began brushing off his shirt. Are you okay, Abraham? Cordelia asked. Yes, ma'am. I'm fine. I'm used to it by now. I think that's ten times I've been killed so far. Fourteen, Xander said with a laugh. We have a pool going, you know. The over-under for your survival on birthing day is three minutes. I took the under, so try not to let me down. That's enough, Xander. I don't know what you have to be so smug about. Your callousness again cost the lives of one of your teammates. Xander looked over his shoulders at the pack of wolves behind him as they slowly turned back into their human forms. What are you talking about, Madame Dracula? My teammates are all fine. Well, it seems the pack's pride is getting in the way of your actual learning. Let's take care of that. You and your teammates will be joining the school's groundkeeper staff for, say, the next, oh, 72 hours? That's absurd, Xander shouted in protest. That's commoner work. The ceremony is five days from now, and we have to spend three of them away from training while you give these imbeciles private lessons? Are you refusing? Refusal of training is grounds for immediate disqualification and banishment, not my rules, of course. This comes from the council. Raking leaves and digging ditches is training? It is now. I'll notify the grounds team that you will be joining them this evening. The rest of the pack all spoke up in protest and let out a series of growls and snarls, but Xander quickly hushed them. Yes, Madam Dracula, he said with a smirk. As you wish. Abe looked back at Zack and Shelley nervously and whispered, Why do I have the feeling that I'm going to pay for this? Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. 
Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Bolton Landing, New York. At well before dawn, Lawman was making his approach lakeside to the Diamond Point Motel. It's been three days since he found Cornelius Medwin held up in a small cabin on the outskirts of Braintree, a town far outside the school's protective zone. Entering the cabin for a fight, he found a broken man who was the shell of his former self. The once proud warrior was a skittish child longing for comfort. His hands were still caked with dried blood, and his first words to him were, I wasn't supposed to remember. But remember he did. Every. Single. Thing. He remembers being drugged and carted off. He remembers the conversations in the van and the mentions of the motel. The talks of the experiments. He wasn't sure who drugged him, but Lawman was sure he'd get answers inside this place. Oh yes. He'd get answers. He told him how they dropped him off in front of the Bane house. The look of confusion on the little girl's face when she opened the door. Her mismatched eyes, wide with surprise. One blue and one brown. Madge's expression when she saw her old friend. And how quickly it changed when he did. Changed into his feral form. Into an enormous bloodthirsty wolf. The telephone dropped from her hands, and there was a blinding flash of bright orange light. The little girl was gone. But Madge dropped to her knees after, exhausted. She must have conjured a great spell, and being so out of practice and away for so long, there's no telling the damage she'd done to herself. It was a mother's last sacrifice. She saved her daughter's life, that was for sure. Lawman didn't know where she sent her, but he would find her. The fight with John when he returned was a brutal one. John almost fought him off, but the men from the van returned. Gassed John and tranquilized Cornelius. He woke up in the woods a few hundred miles away and wandered for days until he found a tear to sulk back through. He's been hiding since. The motel on the lake looked deserted. Off-season for a place like this for sure, but there still should be somebody here. Lawman entered the front door and scanned the lobby. Nothing. Nobody was here. He brought his only hand up to his eye patch, swirled his fingers in the air in front of it. The tips of them briefly glowed red. They left light trails in the sky in front of his face, and he tapped his patch. He closed his good eye, and through the patch, he got an x-ray view of the place. 
scanning the entire building for people. There weren't any. What there was, though, was a very deep basement, and a pathway that looked like it ran into the lake. At the end of that path was static. He made his way down into the basement, standing in front of a wall that clearly had a pathway behind it. He wasn't in the mood for games at this point, or for wasting time looking for the mechanism that opened the wall. He drew his revolver from his hip and flicked open the cylinder. He brought the open gun down to his belt and quickly ran the cylinder along the bandolier. The bullets popped out of the gun and seemed to jump into the belt's bullet loops. He then reached around his back with the gun and with the slightest flick of his wrist, knocked a single bullet with a red tip into his revolver and snapped it shut. He pointed it at the wall and pulled the trigger. The report was deafening. He wasn't worried about anyone hearing it. He saw from his scan that the building and the surrounding area were empty. As far as if there was anyone beyond the static, well, he wanted them to know he was coming. He was pretty sure that if anyone was down there, they already knew. In front of the barrel, a mushroom cloud of smoke emitted and a ball of fire shot out with such force that the sliding secret door and most of the wall around it were reduced to nothing. He slowly made his way down the stairs. While descending the steps, he brought his revolver down to his belt and with movements that would have looked like vibration to anyone who happened to be looking on, loaded his weapon. At the bottom of the stairs sat a long hallway. Empty laboratories sat behind glass on both sides of the hall. The walls of these labs were lined with empty shelves. At the end of the hall was an empty desk with a door behind it. Lawman was removing his gun from his holster when the door opened on its own. He stepped inside the room slowly, gun raised to his shoulder. It was an office, dimly lit and empty. Nothing left but some furniture. As he reached the center of the office, the door he entered through slid shut, and a voice came from the overhead speakers. Welcome, Quint. Oh, I'm sorry. Lawman. How you ever got so many people to call you that ridiculous name is beyond me. Lawman spun around, pointing his gun in every direction. Settle down, old man. There's nothing to shoot. Unless you want to put that couch out of its misery. I always hated that tacky thing. I don't play these kind of games. Lawman said as he reloaded his revolver with red-tipped bullets and blew a hole in the wall where the door he came through once stood. Walking toward the exit, the voice continued. Ah, Sybil was right about you. You are stubborn. Lawman stopped. Ah, now I got your attention. Go on, have a seat. I have a story for you. Whatever that witch has gotten you into, you can still get out of it. What she got me into? Oh, dear man, no. You've got it backwards. It's what I've gotten her into. You see, as a devout member of the Temple of Dracula, I've been hard at work ensuring our Lord's return. Why the Banes? Why the Banes what? I assume you mean why did I start with the Banes? Which is technically incorrect since I started with Cornelius. But they were the first to die, so I see why you'd name them first. I mean, it's a stupid question, but I'll entertain it. Oh, wait. I'm Steven, by the way. That was rude. Anyway, why did I start with the people who were responsible for murdering my lord? I mean, when I put it that way, it's kind of obvious. No? Not gonna answer, huh? Strong silent type. I respect that. I bet you were a sight to see in your day. Full of piss and vinegar. Two arms, working lungs, 
It's kind of poetic that a regular old human from the side that you guys risked your life, and in your case, limb, to protect, would be the one to take out all the guardians. I'm still breathing. And that sorry excuse for a witch is no match for Cordelia. Don't you mention that horse name here! That ungrateful bitch! That... That... <sighs> Lost my cool there for a second. I just can't imagine being the daughter of the greatest, most powerful entity that's ever graced this filthy ball we live on and turning your back on him. But he will rise again. And standing at his side, we will take back what was his. How do you plan on bringing him back? It's been tried before. You know how many times? Do you know what it takes? You'll fail. They all fail. The spilled blood will be for nothing, and the only thing you'll have accomplished is getting yourself killed. Au contraire, mon frere. That is where you're wrong. I absolutely understand I'm monologuing right now, and to be honest, it's doing something for me. I've always wanted to do a villain monologue. How am I doing so far? You know what? Don't answer. For years, I've worked for various government agencies. Covert shit. Developing weapons they could use to kill each other. And you know what? It's boring. I was trying to soup up rabies and throw in a little smallpox chaser to boot. I imagined a country of people who were really pissed and really itchy. That shit's funny to me. That's how I get my kicks. What I got was something I couldn't imagine. It was the ultimate rage virus. It made people impervious to pain. They literally saw red and just wanted to kill. All my tests on people gave less than desirable results. Humans are fragile. Their bones break. They cut easy. Before they really get ahead of steam, they'll end up hobbling themselves. You know how many bums I had to go through? Then I met Sybil. We're part of the same church. A witch, from your side, where there are people who are a tad more durable. How could I pass up the opportunity? The resources I need came from her, but the plan, that's all mine, baby. And what is that exactly? Your plan? You know, I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. On second thought, I'll just do that anyway. Four down, one to go. With that, the speaker cut the static. Lawman made his way toward the stairs when he heard a loud crash. Then another. And another followed by a rushing of water. The corridor in front of him was collapsing, and the lake above was filling the stairs and hallway. Clever bastard. Lawman quickly opened his gun and emptied his rounds, loading his gun back up with black-tipped bullets. The water from the lake was rushing into the room from the hallway, and the walls of the office were beginning to bow inward, with water pouring through. Lawman brought the gun up to his lips and began to whisper an incantation. Soon the pressure of the lake would crush this room and everything inside. As the supports finally gave way, Lawman fired his gun. A thunder crack. An orange flash filled the room. The supports gave way, and the office that sat underneath the lake was gone, along with everything inside. Outside of house, the Medwin clan was on their last hour of their groundskeeper duties. Students rushing to and from class, passing the boys in the courtyard making remarks and snickering to each other. Hey, Xander! A small gnome boy called out, 
You miss some weeds over here. <laughs> the boy waved his hand over the grass and out sprouted tall weeds and dandelions. You seldom got an opportunity to give it to the Medwins, and the school was having a ball with it. Xander's face reddened with frustration. Excuse me, Mr. Medwin? Can I have a quick word with you? Sybil was standing off to the side of the school. Yes, Miss Lightstone. I want to apologize for what Cordelia has done to you and your pack. It's unforgivable for a family of your status to be treated like this. Thank you, Miss Lightstone. Xander replied a little standoffish. This was a teacher, after all. I will be having a word with her about this. The ceremony is in two days, and this is how she has her star pupils wasting their time. It's unforgivable. This is no way to prepare you boys. Giving her family an unfair advantage, if you ask me. It's nepotism, and I won't stand for it. Xander was preparing to answer when the gong that signals the end of the day sounded. End of the day also meant end of their punishment. Thank you for your kindness, Miss Lightstone. Please, call me Sybil. You're not one of my pupils this year. We don't have to be so formal. We're both just residents. If it's all the same, we'd better be going. I want to free myself from these filthy commoner rags and soak myself in a bath. Oh, totally understandable. Don't let me keep you. I just wanted to say that I don't agree with it. You know, I heard that Cordelia was practicing some special kind of magic with Zack that would really tip the odds in the boy's favor. Xander's face became increasingly angry as the boy excused himself from the witch and joined his pack as they were walking back into the building. Hey, Xander! Sybil called out again. The boy stopped and turned to face the witch, who was holding several small vials of liquid. How would you like to even those odds?